I forgot my key. Jenny, I, I'm sorry. Don't. Love means never having to say you're sorry. Oliver, I want to help. Jenny's dead. I'm sorry. Love. Love means never having to say you're sorry. Now, I need to begin by apologizing because that was painful dribble back in the 1970s. Um, for those of you who, who might not have been around in the 1970s, um, this was one of the major chick flicks of the day, Love Story. Uh, nobody missed it. Everybody had it. They spoke about it. In fact, during that time, you could see bumper stickers and T-shirts and figurines that all said, Love means never having to say you're sorry. Um, I'm sure husbands at the time loved it. Um, but the truth is, not true at all. It's interesting how messed up it, we are when it comes to the word love and how we romanticize it and Hollywood romanticizes it and in the midst of all of it, we miss it. It was the same in the Apostle Paul's day as it has been throughout the generations. People not really understanding what love is. As in Paul's day, as in ours, it was mistaken for all sorts of things. It was mistaken for lust. It was mistaken for what you feel for family members and there was truth to that, but it wasn't the ultimate of love. It wasn't the ultimate of love that came in friendship. It was the ultimate of love that came in sacrifice. And the interesting thing is, in Paul's letters, he speaks about love over and over again. Because in his time, in his day, the culture had no real clear understanding of love. And the irony is, during Paul's day, the people of his time had experienced the greatest act of love in all of human history, the love of God in Christ, that Jesus came and died on a cross, and yet people still failed to grasp it. And so in Paul's letters, over and over again, he defines and describes what love is. This morning, we pick up in Romans chapter 13 where we left off last week. And we see once again that Paul interjects the subject of love. Um, but I want you to, can we turn the echo down a little bit on that? I want you to see it from the perspective of Romans. Because Paul's letter to the Romans was written to speak about the salvation that God has given us in Christ. In fact, as we've studied this letter, we've talked about that salvation uh, through the lens of grace. 
Over and over again, Paul uses the word of grace. But as we look at the letter, I want us to do so through this act of salvation. Because we get a bigger perspective on love. And the perspective that I want to share with you this morning is this. Love is the foundation of divine action. Love is the foundation of divine action. When we study this book, I don't want you just to see it from the, the simple definition. I, should, I take that back. It's not a simple definition. But of the, of the more normal definition when we talk about love, when we talk about agape love, which is uh, willfully caring for another person's needs above our own. And that is the accurate description of agape love, willfully caring for others' needs above our own. But I want you to think about it in this context, that love is the foundation for every divine action. If you study the scriptures, here's what you'll find, particularly in Paul's letters. In uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 2, and we can put that up there. Look what Paul writes. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll find that in a number of Paul's letters. Uh, Paul uses that phrase over and over again. And it's appropriate. Especially as we've studied Romans, what have we learned? We are saved by grace. Through faith, not of ourselves. Grace, grace is that unmerited favor that God gives. And so when we think about salvation, we think about grace. In fact, Paul says, grace and peace to you. Because that's what salvation is about. God gives grace, and through that grace, you now have peace. Prior to that grace, you didn't have peace. You didn't have peace with God because you were at war with God. You were estranged from God. You were blinded to God. But by his grace, he opened your eyes. By that grace, Christ died on the cross for you. And it brought you peace. Peace with God, peace within yourself, peace with those around you. Knowing that I have been saved by God, I have been redeemed by God, and God's Spirit dwells within me, providing and protecting and instructing. But here's the thing. While we're saved by grace and the result is peace, the foundation for grace was love. The foundation for grace was love. Because the foundation of love is divine action. God gave us grace. Why? Because he loved us. For God so loved the world that he did something. And that's what grace does. Grace is an action that God takes that through it, we might have peace. But that grace first comes in the foundation of God's love. As we look at the passage, I just want you to remember that. Because Paul's going to demonstrate for us what love looks like. How love becomes practical. How love becomes a divine action 
that we all take as a reaction to God's love. Because that's the power of love. God divinely acted and did something powerful for us and, in that, and enables us through his spirit to do for others in the same way. Why? Because God is love. If God is love, everything he does is done in the action of love. And now he calls us to be like him, to love like him. And that's a powerful thing. Why is love never saying you're sorry? Because love wouldn't do that. If love did something to offend, it would look very quickly to heal. As we look at this passage, Paul lays out for us what love is about. Let's look at, beginning at verse 8. Paul says, Let no debt remain outstanding, except continuing the debt to love one another, for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. So what's the first thing that Paul tells us about love? It's a debt. It's an obligation that we owe. Now, it's, it's interesting. There have been some uh, who through time have argued that what Paul is saying in this passage is that it's wrong to have debt, that it's wrong to borrow or it's wrong to lend. But that's not what he's talking about. Um, first of all, because the scriptures don't teach that. What we see in the Bible, it isn't wrong to lend or it isn't wrong to borrow. In fact, in, um, in Proverbs chapter 37, we read this. The righteous is gracious and gives. All day long he is gracious and lends, and his descendants are a blessing. As Psalm 19 says, He who is gracious to a poor man lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his good deed. In fact, Jesus said, Give to him who asks of you, and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. This isn't about not being in debt. Scripture makes it clear that it's not a sin to lend or to borrow. It is a sin to put yourself in debt over frivolous things. And I've seen that. You've seen it. And maybe you've even experienced it in your own life. I've watched people get in debt I've, I've watched people, I remember helping a man who helped, trying to help him pay off his debts because he had loans to cover the loans to cover the loans that he had taken. Yeah, that's not godly. Because if you're in that kind of debt, you're spending your life worrying, not loving. What Paul is saying here is love is a debt. And we have to understand it in the context he says, except continuing the debt to love one another. For whoever loves others fulfills the law. It's a debt. It's an obligation. You know, we often think that obligations are, burden, are burdens. But the truth is they're not. Obligations remind us that we have been given something powerful. Obligations, when it comes to love, reminds us that we're called to love because we have been so loved. We live in a culture today where 
if people are good to one another, the recipients become suspicious. They think, what do you want? And so even when they receive, they receive it with a sense of skepticism, which stops them from ever becoming grateful. The wonderful thing about gratitude is this. When you become grateful for everything you have, you get to see just how much you are loved. It's a good thing to be grateful. It's a good thing to live with this sense of, you know what, I owe. Because I've been given so much. People who live without gratitude really live without a sense of having received anything from God or even from others. Paul says this, the foundation of love is a divine action. And it's an action that we as human beings take because we understand we have been given so much. Why should Christians be more loving than any other person? Because we get it. Listen to what Origen, one of the early first fathers, uh, church fathers said. The debt of love remains with us permanently and never leaves us. This is a debt which we pay every day and forever owe. But do you know the interesting thing about this debt? It's a debt that always blesses us back. When I love, I'm always blessed. Whether it's received or not received, I'm always blessed because God does something powerful in me. He changes my character. He changes my worldview. He changes my temperament. God calls us to this debt not because it's some burden, not because salvation's uh, hanging in the balance. He gives us this debt so that we might fully experience the power by which we were saved and the power that saves others. What is love? Paul begins by saying love is a debt. It's a precious debt. Secondly, Paul says this. Uh, not only is love a debt, he says it's a deterrent. Look what we read. Verse 9. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. When you study the Ten Commands, what do you see? The first commandments, first four commandments have to do with God. Not using the Lord's name in vain, not worshiping idols, um, only uh, honoring the Sabbath day, having one God, no God but God. But the other commandments, not committing adultery, not committing murder, not stealing, uh, not coveting, uh, not lying... They have to do with how we treat other people. One of, one of the wonderful things about love, love is a deterrent from sin. Because if I'm looking to truly love you, if I'm looking uh, to truly put your needs above mine, then I'm not going to worry about coveting. 
I'm not going to worry about murder. I'm not going to worry about lying or uh, false testimony. I'm not going to worry about adultery. Because I get it. I understand. These are not the loving things to do. One of the greatest deterrents to sin is love. Because love always asks the question, how does this pour life into somebody else? It always asks the question, how will this make their life better? How will this lead them closer to Christ? How will this let them know that I care about them in a way that is true? Because love is always a deterrent from sin. I was looking at the, the plaque you all gave me last, last week. And um, in fact, as I was looking at it, you messed up the plaque, you guys. Um, there's, there's, no, there's no, my name isn't on it. I, I, I took it down to a plaque place anyway. There's a, we found enough space to, f to put at least half my name. Uh, the right reverend doctor, wonderful, all-inspiring pastor Fred Williams. Pa uh, but but as I, as I was looking at it, you know what I loved about it? Um, you know, you stole my license plate. Um, I guess you didn't have to put my name on it. Uh, but it, it began by saying, stand tall. And then underneath it, it said, speaking the truth in love. But you know what I realized? That's what you helped me do. You helped me to stand tall. You helped me to speak the truth in love. Because as you love me, and as I seek to love you, and we seek to do it in a way that honors God. We help each other to stand tall. That's what love does. It doesn't rip down. It helps those around us finish the race. It helps those ar around us to become the best they can be. And that's a powerful thing. Yeah, we have the thou shalt and the thou shall nots because it's truth and truth informs love. It lets us know this isn't loving. And we don't worry about doing it because we've committed ourselves to love. What is love in a marriage? What is love in a friendship? What is love in a church and a ministry? Love is this. I choose by the example of Christ to put your welfare above mine. That's what love does. And that is so blasted hard. Because I don't want to. I want quid pro quo minimum. I love you. You love me. And probably you should love me a little bit more. Or 
I love you, and yeah, you just, you cared totally less about yourself and, and just fully just care about me and live and breathe like I'm your oxygen. But that's why we get so messed up. That's why marriages get so messed up. Because we're keeping score all the time. Who loves who more? In my marriage, in my head, I know who loves who more. I love my wife more than she loves me. That's just how I keep score. She's darn good, lucky to have me. Now, if that were really the case, then that's what love would be. If at the end of the day, I loved more and I loved better, that's what love does. It does what's right by others. It cares about them. What's love's mission? Love's mission is to care about others. And to do it as God tells us to do it. This world twists this stuff around. It'll call loving what isn't loving. But what is sinful. And we have to bring ourselves back to the truth. And love as God would call us to love. Or we'll spend our lives not helping people to stand tall, but tearing them down. Love is a deterrent. It's a deterrent to sin. Verse 10, I love this. Love is delicate. Look what Paul says. Love does not, does no harm to a neighbor. It does no harm to a neighbor. It treats its neighbors very gently. It approaches its neighbors with sensitivity. It's not looking to hurt them at all, but to be delicate with them. Because we do live in a very suspicious world. I can't tell you how many people I will sit with in a week who will tell me, I don't trust people. I just, I don't. I have trust issues. Everybody has trust issues. You're dealing with flawed human beings. The issue is, can you trust God? And in your trust for God, can you put others above you and speak to them with gentleness? Speak to them in ways that pour life in them and encouragement not in ways that pour darkness into them. I got to show you a clip. I don't know if any of you have seen um, um, the latest Tom Hanks movie where he plays um, Fred Rogers, Miss, Mr. Rogers. And, and the clip is... This
He does things every day that help to ground him. He reads scripture, swims laps, prays for people by name, writes letters, hundreds of them. He's been doing that since I met him. Beautiful. He doesn't do it naturally. He didn't do it naturally. He, he had a practice. He had a discipline. When he would get angry, he would read scripture. And then he would pray for people by name throughout the day. And he would write letters, hundreds of them to people. It kept him soft in his heart. And it allowed him to show sensitivity when he was with them. Because that's what love does. That's what makes it so contagious. Is when we love in a way that's delicate. That's looking to do no harm to anyone. That lives with a sensitivity around what it does. How it speaks. The actions it engages in. It doesn't just blurt out whatever it wants to say. But it takes the time to stop and ask, how will this be received? Even in the smallest encounters, it watches its tongue and its temperament because it understands that the foundation of love is a divine action. That it's a debt that we owe and doesn't afford me the ability or the, the privilege of doing whatever I want. Love is delicate. Lastly, Paul says that love is a demonstration of the salvation that we have in Christ. Paul writes, if we can pop that up there, the last line, he says, therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. It demonstrates that God's love is with us now in Christ. There is no longer condemnation. There is no longer a reason to be afraid. That when we live in love before the world around us, we show them what it looks like to be free. What it affords us to be at peace. What it means <clears throat> not to be worried, not to be scared, not to be self-protective, or self-absorbed. It's a demonstration of the final work that God has done in us. Which means when we walk out of this place, we are on display for better or for worse. People will look to us or look at us and they will be either drawn to Christ or they'll be deterred. 
We are a demonstration of a God who has canceled the law by fulfilling it in Christ and calls all to acknowledge their sin so that God might take that away from them. We should be living on display. We should be loving the people around us, understanding that love is action. And action becomes attraction. I really believe this with all my heart. When we truly love, it attracts. When you are vulnerable, when you're open, when you're honest, it attracts. When you are closed and protective, it detracts. When you're not honest, when you're sneaking around, when you're hiding the truth from others, it detracts. When you're only looking toward yourself, it detracts. But when you live it as a demonstration of what Christ has done, it attracts. So I'm going to close. Now, I've used up all of my clips for the next month. So I'm going to do one more. And I just want to close with this because I want you to see that this guy was a Presbyterian minister who walked connected with God. And just in a general sense, people were affected. So let me close and then we'll close. Put that last one. You know, Maggie Stewart showed me the most beautiful word in sign language. You know what that means? It means friend. Isn't that perfect? Who's Maggie Stewart? Hey, Mr. Rogers. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? It's a neighborly day in the beauty wood, a neighborly day for a beauty. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? I have always wanted to have a just like you. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you so. this guy because in this movie you just watch over time love melts his heart and so God would say to us go and take my love and love and melt the hearts of all your neighbors let's join our hearts in prayer